0: And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Now a couple of episodes ago, I believe it was episode 178 if you want to go back and watch it, I was talking about basically teachers leaving the teaching profession and heading to OnlyFans. Brianna Coppage was a Missouri teacher that was outed and had OnlyFans account uh, in a different name, was a teacher, but was outed, and she eventually quit and went to OnlyFans full-time to make a lot of money to pay off all her debt and live happily ever after. Well, another teacher at that same school has since resigned for the same reasons, going to OnlyFans. So, whether it was Brianna Coppage that started it and then spread it, or maybe this other teacher and vice versa, teachers are jumping on to OnlyFans as their side hustle. They get exposed. Apparently, with Brianna Coppage, it was somebody that wasn't even affiliated with the school. But then when I did some follow up just recently, Apparently, people were linking her OnlyFans link to like Facebook pages and other websites or other postings related to the school. So somebody had it out for her, but they do it to make more money. However, in the effort to make more money, they lost their job, maybe lost some respect. Because like I said in that episode, and I'll say it right now, people who work in the sex related industry, they are not respected. They may be they may be liked, maybe even well liked, but they're not respected. They're used as a sexualized object, and that is it. But teachers are starting to validate. They're starting to validate this lifestyle as more and more teachers are leaving the teaching profession. They're going to OnlyFans, and they're validating this online exploitation of themselves because. The question then comes down to, so what do students do now? I mean, we haven't heard of it yet, at least not that I'm aware of, but could it be possible that students are doing OnlyFans because they realize they can make money? I mean, you think about college students nowadays. They can, especially if you're an athlete or a cheerleader or somebody like that, you can get some money through name, image, and likeness, the NIL agreements, which is basically just paying – People to go to college. But so there's ways for people to make money. Well, if you're not an athlete, if you're not a cheerleader, if you're not somebody, I think even bands are starting to get on this name, image, and likeness. But what are you going to do if you're neither of any of that? And what if you're in high school? And maybe you're, you come from a lower-income family, trying to keep up with the Kardashians. Remember, it used to be keep up with the Joneses. Now it's keep up with the Kardashians. But what if students start to do OnlyFans? And what if they get outed? I mean, could you imagine if pictures swirled around the school of a classmate? Forget the fact that she could be underaged, but a classmate doing OnlyFans and getting exposed and these pictures are going around? Students done. The bullying, the teasing, the harassments, all manner of evil is going to fall upon that student. What happens to that student's reputation? It's going to be scandalous. And then not to mention the legal ramifications of it, because if the student's 17, 16, of course, they'll say OnlyFans has age or whatever verification safeguards, but we all know they can be beaten. And then, like I said earlier, what about later in life? What happens to the reputation of that person later on? life? What if you're not as beautiful as you are now? Maybe you put on a few pounds. Maybe you start to get some wrinkles. Maybe you turn gray. Maybe you just get ugly. Whatever it is, whatever was drawing people to your account is no longer drawing people to your account. And your income is dropping. Now what are you going to do? And that's out there for all eternity. And we go, and again, we go in depth on it in episode 178 if you want to go back to that. But I did mention this. In episode 178, I talked about the relationships. Okay, We never know what's going to happen in the future regardless of what we do. So the decisions that we make now are going to affect us in the future. And that could be with OnlyFans. And one of the things that I said was what about future relationships? What if somebody along the way meets you, likes you, dates you, and then finds out you have OnlyFans, and then splits. I got a lot of blowback for that. People are like, oh, that's bad. People shouldn't do that. In fact, here is exactly what I said on that episode. Problems will come in the future. Here's the other thing, too. Think of your situation right now. And in the future, there's going to be things that go on, whether it's job opportunities, whether it's other type of opportunities, um, whether it is a relationship, whatever it is, something's going to come on the horizon that you are not aware of now. And OnlyFans has the possibility of ruining that. Now, what if you get into a relationship with a guy and he finds out you had OnlyFans at one point in the past? What if he bolts, says, no, that's not for me. I don't want that. I don't want to be with somebody that whole world has seen. Now, half of you might say, oh, that's bad on his part, but why? Why are you questioning his, what he wants? Some might say, oh, that's not fair. Uh, absolutely is fair because he can choose who he wants to be with based on the criteria that he wants. And so then you get heartbroken because maybe you lose this relationship. And it's not a fairy tale ending like the movies in Hollywood. The guy ain't going to be like, oh, okay, I have a second chance, get back together and live happily ever after You might be heartbroken and crushed because of that. Something to think about. Okay, so that was episode 178. So that was a couple weeks ago that I said that. Talking about OnlyFans. And like I said, I got some pushback on that. Like, oh, a guy shouldn't do that. Well, ex-NBA basketball player Joe Smith finds out his wife has OnlyFans. Smith... Uh, confronting his wife, expressing the shock and feeling of disrespect for not being informed earlier. And this is how that went. That is I
1: can't believe I'm sitting here just finding out you got an OnlyFans page. Out of all these years, you yo, the disrespect that comes with it, that you couldn't even talk to me before you did it, that's bullshit, yo. That's fucked up, please. I'm up. Wait, wait, no no no. Cop, but you're not going to say fuck me or that's fucked up. It's not no, fucked up. Recording me with the you Listen. It's not fucked up and mean, we're going to Okay, look. So I have an OnlyFans breakable. page, and he's mad because he's just now finding out about it. Of course I'm mad just finding out about it. I'm not doing it with anybody but myself, it so why should matter. I have to tell you it my choice, my body? My don't body, your my fucking choice. Joe, your I've been talking to you about mad things. I've been asking for solutions to shit. You're not giving me none, so I created one. That's no solution. Not in my book. That's no you knew, solution. You knew who the fuck I was when you met me. Before, before... Before, before, yeah, may, before, yeah, I and I that. thought that I would never have to go Man, back to know, anything like yeah, I that again. But unfortunately, but no, no, no. that's not the case right that, now. After that, everything's supposed to change. Everything did change. No, 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 no. Obviously, Everything. it hasn't. No, it had to. I had Obviously, to do something. You stood out there showing your body. You stood out there doing stuff like this on camera. You act like that's the only thing that I do. I have mad jobs, but they're not facilitating everything that needs to be done. So I got something extra. Only fans be breaking me off. What the fuck? Come on, Keith. It don't matter what they breaking you off. It's the disrespect that comes with it. What disrespect? You couldn't come and talk to me about it. Okay, well, we're talking about it now. Because I had to find out on the fly. All right then, but now, okay. No, because I had to find out on the fly. So now you know. Yeah, now I know. Okay.
0: Now I realize that it could be a setup for likes, clicks, whatever. But Joe Smith's wife has the camera running, and Joe Smith and his wife talk about her OnlyFans account and how he's just finding out. Quote, I can't believe I'm sitting here finding out you got an OnlyFans all these years. Disrespect that you couldn't even talk to me before you did it. That's effed up. I'm telling you, that's effed up, said Smith. So his wife, who I think's name is Chavis, or Chavis defended her actions, stating that it was her body, her choice. How many times have we heard that? And that the decision to put up an OnlyFans account was her choice. She also adds that uh, being active on social media on that page is that really social media helped her survive financially. And then Smith says, "You acted like that's the only oh, I guess Chavez says that his wife, you act like that's the only thing I do. I have mad jobs, but they're not facilitating everything that needs to be done, so I've got something extra only fans be breaking me off." Okay. Now, the problem probably comes down to money. Okay, she has a desire for money, and apparently Joe Smith doesn't have any, or maybe they don't have any. So Joe Smith, an NBA player, an ex-NBA player, made sixty one million dollars over eighteen years, according to some reports. Of that sixty-one million, he took home sixteen to eighteen million. Okay, so a lot went to taxes, managers, reps, who knows what else, entourage. And remember this, because we're going to talk about this uh, in a little bit, something more on those lines, but $61 million over 18 years, ends up with 16 to $18 million, and apparently he lost it all. So when these two got together, maybe there was money involved. Maybe he had money and then lost it. And so because she can't live the lavish lifestyle that she wants, she turned to OnlyFans to make some money. But the point also is what I said... In the previous episode, here's a guy finding out that his wife has OnlyFans and he's upset. And then she is like, it's okay. It's no big deal. My body, my choice. He talks about being disrespectful, disrespecting him. Uh, She says, my body, my choice. He says it's no solution, not in his book. Showing her body, he says, showing her body off to everybody on camera. And she keeps bringing back to money, money, money. So again, when you have people that are going to engage in something such as OnlyFans, they might think it's innocent. They might think it's something. And people should just respect it. But here, Joe Smith finds out his wife is having an OnlyFans account. And apparently all these years, and he's just finding out about it years later, disrespect. He got upset. So naturally, here's a guy whose wife showing the goods to everybody for potentially years, getting upset about it, not liking it. And her excuse is defense. She's going to defend herself. Like I said, Could be a setup for social media. Could be a setup. I understand that for likes and whatever. Seem genuine. But there's people out there that are like Joe Smith. They might find their significant other is doing something. Back in the old days, I guess, before technology, it might have been the clubs with the polls or something else. But now you can go online and... People get upset about it. Because in her heart, it's all about the money. And her thoughts are, how can I get more money? And then her actions are bringing in more money. And she justifies all of that through OnlyFans accounts, saying that it's my body, my choice, my decision, and you just have to deal with it. So keep that in mind. I just wanted to update or kind of bring that back full circle because people did reach out and say, to me that people should be respectful of a woman if they want to do OnlyFans and shouldn't walk away or shouldn't do X, Y, Z and respect it. Well, here's a guy, former NBA player, that is an example of somebody who didn't like it and it caused chaos in the family. And then keep in mind, too, because I want to come back to it in a little bit, the fact that she kept talking about money, money, money. Okay, And that was her excuse for doing it, not talking to him. And, in fact, she said, we did talk about it. He's like, no, we didn't. And she's like, well, we're talking about it now. So a lot of something going on there. Now, you may have heard, I'm sure you've heard, unless you just are offline, and then you probably won't hear this. But Matthew Perry passed away at the age of 54. Um, Sad occurrence. A lot of people mourning his death. He had $120 million is his estate that was left over. He has a history of drug and alcohol addiction, which he admits. Uh, He bragged about being vaccinated. Not going to read more into that, but that. Uh, There was also a number of potential causes for his death. Uh, originally, I guess there was a call for a cardiac arrest, but then they've deferred it, so whatever. And the how he died is irrelevant. The fact that he died is enough. A lot of people, he had a family, five children. They're now missing a father. But it goes back to as people were reflecting on who he is and what he was about. Obviously known for Friends, the TV show. What's his legacy? I mean, his legacy, is it $120 million? Is his legacy Friends? Is his legacy something else? He says that he doesn't remember taping three seasons of Friends, the show, because of his addiction. He says when he goes back and looks at it, he could tell what his addiction was based on his weight. If he was skinny, he was on pills. At one point, he had 55 or is taking 55 Vicodin a day. Others, or other episodes, other seasons, I guess, if he's kind of overweight or has some weight, it was his drinking that he was addicted to during that time. He mentioned that he took his first drink at the age of 14 and was drinking every day by the age of 18. So he became addicted, and we've talked about that before. We've talked about in. Previous episodes, I think it was episode 144, I talked about what good comes from legalizing drugs, uh, gambling, and abortion. And people pushed back and said, it's okay. It's okay to legalize drugs. It's okay because marijuana is not a bad drug, it's not a gateway drug, and so on. But here at the age of 14, he was drinking alcohol, and I think somewhere he had an accident. And started taking, you know, Vicodin or something like that because of a jet ski or some type of accident. But again, a father of five has his parents and step parents that survived, that are surviving members of his family. But here's what he had to say about, you know, addiction.
2: It's a disease. That's the first thing I didn't know. In 1956, I think the American. Medical Association said it was a disease. And um, it's a two pronged disease. Two things happen to me and 10 million other people in the United States. If the, it's an obsession of your mind. So, what that means is you think of a martini, and then slowly but surely, it's the only thing you can think about. You can't think about anything else. I gotta get a martini. I, gotta, I know I'm supposed to be over here working, but I gotta get another martini. my martini, martini, martini. And then once you take that martini, you break the um, membrane of sobriety. And once you do that, the obsession, the obsession is gone, but the allergy of your body, which is the second prong of the disease, takes over and says, oh, now we're drinking. I'm going to make you drink as much as you did last time and more. It's progressive, so I'm going to make you drink more than you did last time. And you can't stop. I could not stop unless I was locked away somewhere. And at times, I would call drug dealers and have drugs brought in to the place I was locked up in because I was desperate and begging for... Drugs, because the only way I had to feel better. And I did not, I mean, it makes you forget, too. It's cunning, baffling, and powerful. So that thing that I read in the book, you know, alcoholism, you know, didn't care about that. And alcoholism did not care that I was on Friends. And alcoholism did not care about any of that shit. They just, alcoholism wants you alone, it wants you sick and then it
0: wants to kill you. Cunning, baffling, and powerful. Three words that describe addiction, which is probably pretty appropriate. It's cunning. It'll sneak up on you. You might not be aware it's happening. And then the next thing you know, you're addicted to something. It's baffling. Why is somebody so addicted to something? Why can't they break that habit? Why can't you just stop taking it? And that's powerful. I mean, people talk about their sobriety that I'm 37, 40, 50 years sober. And they remember that day, that first day. And then if you break that sobriety, it's a big deal. But it's an obsession of the mind. Okay, maybe you're not addicted to alcohol. Think of something else. How about people that have been have been obsessed with other people? Or maybe you've been obsessed with gambling, rolling the bones. You want to do more and more and more because once you do it, like he says, you drink more than before. Not only did you take that drink, not only did you throw those dice, not only did you buy that lottery ticket, not only did you whatever you did, Now it's going to make you want to do it more than you did before. Could not quit. I think that's probably why it's more powerful than anything, because you cannot stop. In fact, he's at a drug treatment center. And he has drugs brought in. He's calling up drug dealers to bring them in. I think this is the most prolific thing. So you talk about the addiction. He talks about it being cunning baffling and powerful but the discussion also goes to that alcohol or addiction does not care about you at all does not care who you are does not care what your status is does not care what your job is does not care about anything other than you continuing in your addiction with whatever it is you're addicted to in this case alcoholism wants you sick It wants you alone. Isn't that true, though? You usually alienate yourself because of your addiction. Maybe you go into hiding, and not necessarily like hiding because you don't want people to see you, but you become reclusive. Maybe you go to the bars by yourself, or you're just at home a lot because you're addicted to pills. You don't want to be around people. So alone, sick, and ultimately wants to kill you. And I think that right there really sums it up, especially for people, because there's a lot of people that will say, unless you've been a part of sobriety, you don't understand, unless maybe you've had counseling, you don't understand, or maybe unless you've been trained to help people, you don't understand. And I get that. I don't understand addiction. I've never been addicted to anything. Now, I can understand the obsession of the mind because every once in a while, I'll have an obsession about needing to get a energy drink. I know it's not the same. But I do understand a little bit of that obsession of the mind because you're thinking, okay, I want an energy drink. And you start thinking about it until you pull into the mini-mart to get an energy drink, okay? Or maybe it's coffee for you. We've talked about it before. People can't start their day unless they've had their coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee. How's your morning going? Oh, it's so bad. I haven't had my coffee. It's the coffee. And until you have that coffee, your day is not going to be good right? So we can understand a little bit about that obsession of the mind, but we don't have that addiction because we we can stop. We can function and we can move on without the coffee, I think. I don't drink coffee, but I know I can go without an energy drink if I want to, or back in the day, especially during the pandemic, I used to like to drink beer and drink different kinds of beer, craft beers, discover them. There's nothing else to do. And the only thing that was open was the liquor store. Apparently that was an essential, right? And then people would kind of see me post videos, you know, Sunday night brew of the different beers. And someone reached out and said, be careful. You might become addicted. And I appreciate the sentiment, but the fact was the appearance on social media was more than what I was actually consuming. And in fact, as of this point, I can't even tell you the last time I had a beer. It's probably been a couple weeks, maybe more. I don't really keep track of it. But so I can understand the obsession of the mind, the the obsession of the mind. But you got to keep in mind that it's cunning. It's baffling. It's powerful. Those are three distinct and unique words to describe something. Because, yeah, it's tricky. It's going to trick you. It's confusing. We don't understand why you're doing this. And it's powerful because you cannot stop. And it wants you alone, sick, and wants to kill you. And here he is again when you talk about um, addiction. This is how he kind of describes that addiction.
2: In the book, I I compare it to the Joker. Because the Joker just wants to see the whole world burn. And so does alcoholism and addiction. And it took over decades of my life and I pray to you, if you worry that you're having this problem or you know somebody that is, raise your hand, find somebody who's smarter than you about this and talk to them and be honest about it because the secrets are what kill us. As soon as I, I mean he was pulled out of me by somebody the first time I admitted it, but I was taking 55 in a day I weighed 128 pounds. I was on Friends getting watched by 30 million people, and that's why I can't watch the show, because I was like brutally thin. And um, being beaten down so badly by the disease. So I went to Hazelden. I went to my first rehab. I didn't really learn anything. I kind of just imitated Michael Keaton the whole time. So I was like, what, do I have a problem with them' alcohol Um, and I I was placed in some kind of spiritual guy's office and we talked a little bit and as we were done talking he turned around he, he, he turned me around and said just remember it's not your fault and I went what? he said it's not your fault and I went say that again it's not your fault and I said what do you mean it's not my fault? I'm the one who's doing it. What do you mean? And he explained addiction and alcohol to me, and he saved my life. Um, because I then knew that it wasn't my fault, that, it was, that I wasn't weaker. It wasn't my will that was screwed up. It was that I have this disease, and I need to get help. And, you know, the thing that always makes me cry, and I hope I, I, hope I don't cry here, is that it's not fair. It's not, it''s not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair that I had to go through that I had to go through this disease while the other five didn't. they got everything that I, that I got. but I, I had to fight this thing and still have to fight this thing. So just to end this on a good note, there are people that will help you and get their help. It doesn't go away. It never goes away.
0: It never goes away. That's why I think people talk about sobriety 50 years later, because it never goes away. He talks about it being like the Joker, the Joker from Batman. It'll burn your world. It takes over your life. Secrets kill us. Remember earlier he talked about it. It wants you alone. And he talks about the secret and how his addiction was pulled out of him by somebody and that's how it became known. But it wants you alone because those secrets are there and those secrets are going to kill you. He was beaten down by the disease. It never goes away. Uh, there are people that will help. You can reach out. If you don't know of anybody, if you're struggling with something, you can always reach out to me here at the show. You can just send me an email at two steps ahead podcast at gmail.com. That's T-W-O. Two steps ahead, podcast at gmail.com. If I can't personally help you, there's people I know that I could refer you to that can help you. And it doesn't have to just be alcoholism, it could be a number of things, it could be anything. We can find resources to help you because sometimes when you're in a situation, you might not be in the best position to help yourself. You might be capable, but maybe you're not in the best position. That makes sense. And so, you just need somebody that has some neutral eyes, maybe a different perspective to help you. So, again, if there's somebody you can reach out to and you have an issue with something, reach out. And if there is nobody and you don't know, the invitation is here for you to reach out to me, TWO, two steps ed podcast at gmail.com, or you can find me on um, Instagram. Facebook, TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast. Just Google search it, and uh, it pops up. But then I can help you find something or find someone or whatever it might be. I can help you try to get a solution to whatever it is that is afflicting you. But, yeah, so Matthew Perry's struggling with this addiction. And, again, think about it. He had $120 million. So maybe for him his addiction was a little bit more an alien, uh, enabling because of the money. I don't know. I'm not really sure how that works. I know a lot of people end up maybe, you know, Los Angeles, Skid Row is full of people that are homeless because of addiction. Um, But, yeah, you never know. And at 14, he had his first drink. Kind of reminds me of my grandfather. My grandfather passed away at the age of 69 because of alcohol abuse. And he made the comment one time he was in the Navy. He was at Pearl Harbor, survived Pearl Harbor. He was on the USS California But he was drinking a six-pack a day since he was 19. Fifty years later, it killed him. So when I talk earlier about legalizing certain things, I know alcohol is a legalized substance. But that's what we got to learn these lessons because perhaps it was that jet ski accident or whatever accident it was that Matthew Perry had that got him to that Vicodin. He was taking 55 Vicodin a day. Grandfather, somebody introduced him to his first beer. 50 years later, it's not with us anymore. Life cut short. I knew a gal growing up whose mother had a really good friend. This girl was a few years younger than me, but um, her mother had a really good friend that was hooked on heroin. So the mom decided that she was going to take heroin to show her friend how easy it would be to get off of heroin. Well, little did she know that heroin was going to win that battle. And so the mom became addicted to heroin and eventually overdosed and lost her life. Now, fortunately, if there is a fortunate, so a daughter no longer has a mother and has to grow up without a mother. And I met this young girl after her mother had passed away and she was in elementary school at the time so a lifetime without a mother because of a decision that the mom made with good intentions, but it wasn't thought out right. But the fortunate part is that the friend eyes were open and eventually got off heroin. And I got to meet that friend one day, years and years and years after the fact. And, um, but again, So yes, there are reasons why me personally push back on some of these things like legalizing drugs or age appropriate behavior, or maybe you shouldn't do OnlyFans because it might affect you in the future. Because there are things that are going to matter. The decisions that we make today, the decisions that you and I make today are going to affect us either for the good or for the bad down the road. There's no doubt about that. Okay, for example, if I may, so Matthew Perry had $120 million the day that he died. The next day, that $120 million was still in his financial accounts. Couldn't take it with him to the afterlife. We've talked several times, especially recently, about the afterlife, what's going to happen to you when you die, and whatever your belief system is, is your belief system, that's fine, but if you believe there is some sort of afterlife, well, Matthew Perry's account is still $120 million. Now, hopefully his kids and other people will get that, but um, again, he couldn't take it with him. And we had this conversation recently with somebody about, for example, would you trade heaven? Because I believe that heaven is a possibility in the afterlife, depending on your belief system. Like, I mean, my belief system says heaven is... An option in the afterlife, if you believe biblical principles, I've talked about it on the show recently. And so, would you trade heaven for a lottery ticket just today? Driving down the street, I saw a billboard for the lottery. I think it's Mega Millions or whatever it is. I don't, I don't do it. So, whatever it is, Powerball, Mega Millions, whatever. It's up to two hundred million. Kind of chump change, really, right? Eight hundred, nine hundred million, we get to, but 200 million is the jackpot prize. Would you trade that now? for an eternity in heaven, and some people would. And you can read all kinds of stories of people that have won the lottery and how it's destroyed their lives. Not only did they lose everything, but they describe it as hell on earth. So sometimes having money isn't necessarily a good thing. Now, I'm not condemning money, don't get me wrong, but it goes back to the heart. Think about Joe Smith's wife. And her OnlyFans account. And all she could, she could, all she could keep thinking about was the money that was on her heart. Money, 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 money. People that played the lottery, typically, all they have is money, money, money on their heart. They want to win that big prize. And of course, who wouldn't want another 50, 60 million after taxes? Why not? But people get wrapped up in the things of this world and they forget that there's an eternity after this world. And yes, having money is a good thing, especially in these economic times, right? But you think about other people that have actually earned money athletes, Mike Tyson, Dennis Rodman, John Daly, Alan Iverson, Joe Smith, Evander Holyfield, Marion Jones, Scotty Pippen, Deuce McAllister. All people from all walks of life. You got football, you got basketball, you got golf, you've got track, boxing. They lost millions. I think Deuce McAllister made like 70 million in his NFL career and they lost it all. So the question then becomes what does it profit a man to gain the world but lose his soul? The same, the love of money is the root of all evil. That desire, whatever you desire on your heart, is eventually going to consume your thoughts. And then your thoughts are going to dictate your actions. So whatever your desire is of the heart, that's going to consume your thoughts. Your thoughts are going to be about that. If, let's say, you want to build a business and that's your desire, your thoughts are going to be, okay, how can I build this business? And then your actions are going to be, well, let's build this business. If you find somebody that you're interested in, right, relationships, your heart is consumed with that person. The desires to be with that person, so your thoughts are consumed about her. You think about her, you think about him, think about the other person night and day, right? Sometimes it becomes psychotic. We've read about those stories. But you know, naturally you start thinking about the person a lot. And then your actions are okay, how can I get this person to go on a date with me? Right? Whatever it is. It doesn't always have to be a bad thing, but whatever the desire of our heart is, it's gonna consume our thoughts. And those thoughts are going to dictate our actions. So if money is the thing, like in the case of Joe Smith and his wife, she wanted money. Maybe in the case of the teachers from Missouri, because they could pay off their student loans and they could make more money than they could teaching. And you might think that's valid and that's fine. But what's the end result of that? What did it profit these people? They lost their jobs, maybe lost respect because, again, people that work in the sex business may be liked but not respected. What's on the heart and the desires of the heart? Control and consume your thoughts. Your thoughts dictate your actions. Again, you ever stand in line at a mini-mart and you just want to get an energy drink? And there's someone up there taking forever because the mini-mart should only last like 30 seconds. Pick your product, go pay, and get out, right? And they're buying lottery tickets, spending their last dollar on lottery tickets or the people in the slot machines at the casino chunking away their social security. Or how about even the dangers of a pastor, prosperity gospel, preaching you give to the church. And God will return to you tenfold whatever you give. And people in desperate times are giving their savings to the church. And these pastors are living high on the hog, making all kinds of money, while the parishioner is still waiting for God to reward them tenfold. And it doesn't happen. Remember, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. It's the same with the lottery. Chances of winning are slim to none. And if you do win, chances are your life is going to be miserable because money doesn't provide happiness. There's a saying in the Bible, create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. Maybe we need to have a clean heart so that our heart is clean for whatever the desires that we have are clean desires. Again, it could be a desire of somebody else. That sounds weird. I know, but relationships I'm talking about, right? Desire of business, desire of friendship, desire to travel, desire to do whatever, but at least those desires are clean and pure and real, and they're not conflated, and they're not cunning, they're not baffling, and they're not powerful. They don't want you to be alone. You're not keeping secrets. They're not going to kill you because you have a clean heart and a new spirit. So your thoughts are clean. Your thoughts are pure. Your thoughts are real. And then your actions so that you're living a healthy lifestyle is the point I'm getting to. Again, if you want money and that's the lust of money is on your heart, maybe you begin to cheat on taxes. Maybe you do unethical business practices, stuff like that. That's why, again, it's okay to have a business, but if the desire for money is the only reason your thoughts are, how can I make more? Maybe your actions go to cheating. And we see people cheat taxes all the time, right? Or end up embezzling money, criminal activity. So I can't repeat it enough. What's on the heart does matter because what's on the heart consumes the thoughts. Thoughts dictate actions. Do you have actions of love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruits of the spirit. If those are your actions, or if your actions are relatable to those things, then the chances are that, yeah, you've got a clean heart, a pure heart. If it's vengeful, if it's hateful, if it's anger, if it's pride, jealousy, vengefulness, then maybe your heart's not so pure. and Maybe you've got evil motives. So maybe instead of desiring the things of this world, maybe we focus on things in the afterlife. I mean, think about the latest things. You want to talk about things consuming the heart and then actions. What about this whole thing that's going on with Hamas, Israel, Palestine? We're starting to see more and more people rally for Palestine and becoming this anti-Semitic hate that's going on in the country. I don't understand why everyone is celebrating terrorism. If you don't think Hamas is a terror group, or if you're supporting Hamas and just blatantly supporting Palestine, then you probably have some education that you need to do because you're ignorant of historical facts. I'm just going to call it out. Okay, it's it's the similar hate that we saw during the BLM riots. You've got people at the White House smearing red paint as if it's blood all over the place you have a 69 year old jewish man killed in the streets of la at the hands of pro-palestinian rioters you've got murder in the streets of la you've got jewish hate spewing across the country from the streets of la to the halls of congress michigan democrat rashida talib leading the way amongst others how is this even possible? A country that was founded on opportunity. All men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Well, not if you're Jewish. And the only thing that people are learning is from TikTok or social media. And it's all wrong. So Hamas has an unprovoked attack on Israel on October 7th, killing men, women, and children, people at a peace festival. Children, babies, in the most heinous and brutal way. Obviously, Hamas has evil on their heart because their actions were to kill. Their thoughts for a number of years, apparently, was how can we invade Israel and kill? That's evil. Any way you look at it, that's evil. If you support that. Now, here's the other thing. Keep in mind, pro-Israel people, they are very concerned not only for Israel, and the people of Israel, and the Jewish people around the world, but they're also very concerned about the innocent Palestinians in a real and in a reasonable, logical way. They don't want innocent people to perish, but we all understand that because of the results of one country, whether it be Putin invading the Ukraine, whether it be Hamas and other terrorist organizations taking act, or taking actions, there's going to be fallout from that. But that doesn't mean that pro-Israeli supporters want anything bad to happen to innocent bystanders anywhere. But yet there's people that witnessed, that saw Hamas do what they did. And there are people in Palestine, in the Gaza Strip, that support Hamas. They're not so innocent. They might not be fighting with Hamas, but they support them. Not so innocent, because what's on the heart consumes the thoughts. Thoughts dictate actions. Actions equal killing people. That tells you everything if you reverse it, what your thoughts and what your heart was. Think about this. People today lost their ancestors in the Holocaust during World War II. This Jewish man that died in the streets of L.A. at the hands of a pro-Palestinian protester knows exactly what his ancestors went through because he just experienced the same thing. Jewish students on college campuses being assaulted, spat on, suffering from violence and attacks. See, now you're witnessing what happened in Nazi Germany, especially at the start of Hitler's reign. Are we going to continue to amp up? Are we going to push back and say, no, we're not going to tolerate this? It's not going to happen. So it doesn't matter if you're doing OnlyFans and your husband finds out and you defend yourself because it's money. Or if you're Matthew Perry who gets into an addiction and then his obsession becomes that thing alcohol or drugs. Or if you're pro Palestinian and you want to kill Jews. It all goes back to the heart. The heart, the desires of the heart will consume your thoughts and then your thoughts will dictate your actions. So what are your thoughts? What are your actions? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, or vengeance, anger, killing, doing away with a people, a culture, a faith. That's something you have to decide. Now, not to end on such a grim and grisly note, I came across something that is amusing that I thought we could just end up on. List of places women absolutely refuse to go on a first date. Okay. well, would you go to these places? Now, I don't really know how this list came about. But supposedly, as the story goes, someone sent out a memo to a bunch of women And women were to respond. So apparently this is a woman-led list. Okay, Topping the list is Cheesecake Factory. What's wrong with Cheesecake Factory? Why don't you go to Cheesecake Factory? And it doesn't give reasons why it was just a list. But Cheesecake Factory, no good on a first date. Applebee's. Not eating good in the neighborhood, I guess. We're not fancy like Applebee's on a date night. There's no bourbon street steak, no Oreo shake, no whipped cream on top, no two straws, but you can guarantee there's probably one check. Although there is the great debate as on a first date who pays because I like to have conversations with the students that I, uh, especially the college students that I teach and kind of get an idea of what they're doing because a lot of them are younger than me and there's this common thing now where you split the check because that way women are comfortable with not having to, I guess maybe there's an expectation that if the guy pays that then the woman pays later or something. But so now you split the check, so that way there's no expectation of nothing. I guess chivalry and all that is out the door. Uh, movies, no go, no bueno, no es bueno, movies. However, if you go on a blind date, having a movie as a backup is always a great idea because um, maybe you don't like what you see when you meet that person and sitting in the dark for a couple of hours and then calling it a night. Probably a good thing. Red Lobster is a no-go. Maybe it's too messy. Maybe fish allergies. But they did not say Red Robin, yum. So here's the deal. No Red Lobster, but they did not say anything about red rum. So you can pick up your lady in red in your little red Corvette, drinking red, red wine out of your red Solo cup because she's a redneck girl. If you know, you know. You can't go to the gym because apparently working out is bad. No bowling either. Uh, No bar for drinks. No sporting events. Sport events are like the best place to go. There's so much stuff going on and so much activity, and you never have an awkward, silent moment. So I don't understand that. Church, no go. Your house, duh. A hookah bar. Is hookah bar still a thing? And a buffet. So I guess Pizza Ranch isn't for the win. So those are some places that women will not go. But they did not say Dave & Buster's. Dave & Buster's is another good place. Maybe some Dr. Pepper and some games. Maybe a little Connect Four or that big Pac-Man game. How about some softball toss and that milk jug? Or last time I went, they had beer pong. A beer pong game. Or where you, my, oh, this is my favorite, where they have those fuzzy clowns in the funhouse thing. You take those little balls and you kind of knock them over, and then you get the, the points, and then you get those little tickets. Not much of a skee-ball fan, I'll tell you that, but I'll play it. So where what do you do? So here's what you do. If you want some fun first date ideas and you're living in Los Angeles, you can go to Hollywood and Highland. You've got the Walk of Fame. Look at the stars on the Walk of Fame. In fact, you can create a bingo game. You can go online, see who's who, what's in that area, and then the first person to find all the... Names, now that might be something for a bigger group, but you find all the names on your list, hey, you win. But the Walk of Fame, you can walk up and down the Walk of Fame and talk about the people that you see. Recognize any names. Whatever you do, do not take anything from anybody down there. Chinese Theater, get the feats in the hands. At the and Chinese Theater, you can talk about that. Uh, Movie Land Wax Museum or the Madame Tussauds Wax Museum, although that does cost. But again, conversation, never a dull moment. If you want something to eat, you've got the Cabo Wabo Cantina, a personal favorite of mine, or even Dave & Buster's if you want to play some games. Um, you've got that, I think it's still there. Is it Ghirardelli's, that ice cream shop, that malt shop thing across the way? Uh, but do avoid Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum and the other wax museums and all that because they're not that great. Another place to go is the Lake Hollywood Park. It's in the shadows of the Hollywood sign. Actually, we did a podcast there back in 2020, my partner and I at the time. Did a couple of shows, and the Hollywood sign is behind us. Uh, you can have a picnic. Music on your phone. It is a dog park, so if you have a dog, you can bring it. Dog-friendly. Great for photo ops and people watching. Uh, Griffith Park, uh, the Griffith Park Observatory. It's free. So there's some... Good, Edom-approved first-date ideas if you're in Los Angeles. And, of course, the place of all places is the beach. Always go to the beach. And you can have a nice time at the beach. Bring a cooler. Bring some music. Don't even need to go into the water if you don't want to. You can even visit, like, when the piers, like the Santa Monica Pier. I, I've heard they've cleaned up Venice Beach. But the beach would be the number one spot. If you're in San Francisco, you can go down to Fisherman's Wharf and the pier. Maybe take a cruise around Alcatraz Island. Maybe drive the Golden Gate Bridge and go up up the hill to that bunker that's up there where you can have better views of the bridge and the city. You can go see the Painted Ladies in San Francisco at Alamo Square. Those houses that are in the opening credits of Full House. Baker's Beach. Or even Mavericks Beach on the coast, so the beach up there. You can go look for Yoda's statue. That's up there. Or one of my favorites was just sitting out on the bay across. Uh, there's Ghirardelli Square. For some reason, Garadelli's keeps popping up in this thing. But Ghirardelli Square at sunset. So you get some ice cream at, Garrett, at uh, Ghirardelli Square. And then you cross the street at sunset, and there's the bay area. I think some people swim there. There's like this ship. Uh, You can see the the bridge off to your left. And as the sun goes down, just sit out there and enjoy the night. And, of course, Lombard Street, the windiest street in America. You can go there and check it out. If you go to Vegas, the only thing I would say is you got to go out and see the dam. Make a trip to see the dam because that would be worth your while. So if you're going to go on a first date with somebody and you've got the list of not-to-dos, I just gave you some things that you can do that are good first dates, no dead time, no awkward silent moments, just nothing but fun photo ops, and everybody has a good time. Hey, this is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Sonny. Check out our website, radiowarp.com. That's radio, W-A-R-P, radiowarp.com. You can click on the Two Steps Ahead podcast logo and all of our shows pop up, our video shows from our Rumble page, and you can watch all of our past episodes. You can uh, click the orange banner across that page. takes us to a SoundCloud account, which is our audio page. So plenty of options to listen to. You can download the show, take it with you on the go. Um, You can also go to our um, Instagram page, TWO. Two Steps Ahead podcast, and we put clips and we put episodes uh, up there if you can uh, listen to. We have a Facebook page as well. So we're pretty much easy to find. And like I said, you can always reach out and email me for whatever reason, but especially if you have some issues and you don't know where to start to find solutions to those issues, just email me, TWO, two steps ahead podcast at gmail.com, and uh, I will respond. You can also just do an internet search and find us. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, Deezer, all the places. Mm -hmm. Again, hey, Siri, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, play TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast, and our latest podcast episode will pop up. So we're pretty easy to find, um, and we're here. We're here for you. But again, remember... Whatever we do, whether it is we make a decision to do something that might be more on the controversial side of OnlyFans, be realistic. we got to be realistic in this day and age. I always like to present things from logic and reason. But we have to be logical and we have to be reasonable and understand that if we make a decision to do OnlyFans, for example, people might not like it. People might be upset by that. People might feel disrespected. People might walk away. You have to have that in mind. If you are consumed by something, just realize that your actions are going to be a result of whatever it is that you're being consumed by. But if we have healthy, can you really have a healthy consumption of something? But you know, if we're healthy, if we have a healthy obsession for our passion, that's okay because we want to take our passion. We want to make it happen and we want to let ourselves be great. And so sometimes We have to obsess on things so that we can get to the end result, which is success. But if we have a clean heart, a new spirit, our thoughts might be consumed by that thing, that desire of our heart, but that desire is pure. So our thoughts are going to be genuine, real, that then our actions are going to follow suit. And then we know it's healthy and it's okay if it's not cunning, if it's not powerful, if it's not baffling if it doesn't want you to be in the dark with secrets so it can kill you those might be some ways to determine whether or not what you're thinking about what's on your heart is healthy or not and then just your actions are you are your actions resulting in areas that are love joy peace patience gentleness goodness faithfulness self-control or is it anger hatred vengeful jealous those type of things then maybe what's on your heart isn't healthy for you. But you can always check your heart and then your thoughts and your actions that follow. And if they're producing good things, then you're probably okay. If they're producing bad things, probably not okay. But whatever it is, the decisions that we make today will affect us in the future. Two Steps Ed Podcast, again, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Sonny. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.